0: 1 Corinthians chapter 11, again the series, As I Follow Christ, today's subject is, What If? So in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, in the English Standard Version, I've read this and I will continue to do that to the conclusion of the series, this particular scripture where Paul is exhorting the Corinthian church and he's saying this to them. He says this exactly. Be imitators of me. Everybody say that with me. Paul said... Be imitators of me me. as I am of Christ. Christ. Now, how many folks do you think when he said that thought, I don't want to imitate you. I don't want to be like you. I, I like who you are. I like what you do. But you are just a man. Why would I want to imitate you? I'm not going to do that. How many people do you think might have crossed their arms and thought the arrogance of that man to suggest that anybody would want to be like him? And if we come at it from the natural mind or from the first Adam mind that sees everything through the wrong window, with the wrong view, from the wrong perspective, remember Adam saw fruit... As intelligence. And God saw the fruit on the tree as wisdom. And there's a difference. See, wisdom doesn't require that I hold something in my hand. Wisdom doesn't require that it has to make sense. Wisdom understands that whatever is in the middle of wisdom or whatever is wise in me is only in me because of the Holy Spirit of God. So, what happened here is when these folks listened to what Paul was saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ, you got to wonder how many of them felt like or viewed this from the perspective of there's no way I am going to copy you. I don't want to be like you. That wasn't his intention. Paul's not saying, be like me, Paul is saying, Imitate me. Paul is not saying, wear your hair like I do. Paul is not saying, wear the same style of clothes that I do. Paul is not saying, talk to people like I do. Paul is saying, imitate the passion I have for Christ. Imitate that passion. Do not try to be a mirror image of me, rather what I'm inquiring of you or what I'm imploring you to do is imitate that part of me that loves God with every single fiber of my being. I want you to come to the place when as you watch me love God, you, because you're watching me, love God too. You might not. See, some of those folks, many of those folks, in fact, most of those folks in the Corinthian church were not yet in a place where they had developed a deep relationship with Christ and with the Father like Paul had. So what Paul was doing was demonstrating to them not perfection, by the way. Paul was not demonstrating to them that he was a man without error. He was not trying to demonstrate to them that he did not make mistakes. What he was doing was showing them that even in the middle of my weakness, I let God be strong. Even when I'm weak, I don't let weaknesses overtake me and overcome me. I let those weaknesses become subject to the anointing of God in me. And I repent and say, Holy Spirit, that part of God, forgive me, heal me, raise me up out of this and let me get on the right track again. He said, imitate that. I want you to imitate that part of me that loves the Father. In other words, putting it simply, when in doubt, imitate me. And I say that to everybody that's here. I've said that many, many times to those who are just coming into the kingdom, those who are just beginning to learn about who Christ is and and what the benefits of being a son or a daughter is. I say that, I've said that over the years many times. Just listen to what I'm saying and do what I'm doing Until Holy Spirit shows you why you're doing it, and then He might show you a deeper way to do it. At some point in the beginning, it's a teacher. It's law. This is the way, walk in it. But at some point, it becomes spirit. It becomes a father, where it's saying, you've seen it. You do this because you've seen the fruit of it. Recently, my wife and I, and I may have shared this story, and if I did, I apologize for sharing it again. But recently, my wife and I were working outside, and we were totally redoing our front and back porch, and uh, we were constrained, or what's the word everybody's using for? Um, using, uh, we were quarantined, whatever you want to call it, at the house. And um, because of that, uh, my wife decided there was no better time than the present um, to begin to update some things she's been wanting to do for a long time, and my word has always been, I don't have time. And then suddenly, she's like, all you have is time. And uh, so I was snookered into uh, doing this project on the front and back porch, which I actually enjoyed. I don't want to lay it all on her because once she suggested it, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. I like working with wood. So I got out there, and we were out there working one day, and we had walked out and we were working on the front porch. And while we were working on the front porch, I was busy na- uh, nailing a board or, or cutting a board or doing whatever I was doing, measuring for something. And I was on a ladder. And my wife said, "Hun, be careful when you come down um, because there's something over here behind this, up against the wall. I'd not seen it. we'd been out there probably an hour at that point. So I come down the ladder and I look over there behind it and it's a little bitty baby mockingbird. Just barely has its feathers. Enough feathers it could have probably flown. And the reason it was probably there is because it tried to fly and and is just trying to exercise its new muscles and just hadn't quite figured it out. But there's this little bitty baby mockingbird. How many are familiar with mockingbirds? You'll be familiar with it when I'm done telling you the story. And so this little baby mockingbird's over there, just terrified. I mean, it wouldn't move. It wouldn't go anywhere. And so I said, let's do this. Let's just go in the house for a little bit. I mean, it's seeing these human bodies that are out there that are so big, it doesn't know whether we're going to stomp it, we're going to eat it. We, I mean, if we were on a loan, we would have uh, had a fillet, but we weren't. And uh, fortunately, we had food in the kitchen. And... I said, let's go in the house. We'll stay in the house for a little bit. We'll get us something to drink. And then hopefully by that time, because we could hear the mama squawking over there in the tree, yelling for that baby. But that baby wasn't moving. It wasn't talking back. It was terrified of us. And the tools, I had a compressor out there. And every time you pull the trigger, it's pow, pow, pow. And, you know, and then it turns on us. And that poor thing is like, I've never heard these noises in my entire life. I've never seen things this big moving around in my entire life. I've always been in this little nest. I've always been in this little place, had little sticks wrapped around me. I was warm. My mother's body was uh, on me. Her wings covered me. She fed me. I've never been pushed out of a nest before. I've never been required to experience these things. And suddenly, this whole new world has opened up to me. How am I going to live in this world? These bodies, these people are terrifying me. You can take your mask off, by the way, if you're among family and you're far enough away from people and you're comfortable. If you're too close to somebody, ask them if they're okay. Okay. With that, not if they're okay. If they're not okay, they <laughs> should be on the other side of that glass. <laughs> but that baby sat there, and I said, let's go in and get a drink. So we went in, and we stayed maybe 30 minutes. I'm not sure how long, and went back out there. I was so hoping that that little birdie had found its way out. And we go back out, and it's, it has not moved. It is terrified. I mean, it nearly looks petrified, like petrified that it can't move. It is not going anywhere, and I said, I don't, I don't know what to do. So I went and got my wife a dustpan. She wanted. She said, We got to move it. So I got her a little dustpan, a little broom. Because if you touch it, it's going to die. So you can't touch it. If you touch it with your hand, its mama won't come back. So we couldn't touch it. So she, I went and got her a broom and a dustpan, a little whisk, and she got the little birdie. Well, as soon as she got the little birdie into the dustpan without touching it, and she stood up to move the little birdie closer to where the mother was screaming, that little birdie went and flew off into another area 10 feet away. So now it's over there, and I've got two big labs outside. And the little birdie did walk, so the bird was alive. Long story short, I want to say something about this little baby mockingbird. If you know anything about mockingbirds, an adult mockingbird is fearless. They're absolutely afraid of nothing. Nothing. I think my wife shared in the ladies' ministry some weeks ago, a couple months ago, about the mockingbird experience that we have both had with going outside. When they're nesting and all they have in their nest is eggs, there is nothing more um, aggressive than outside of a mama bear than a mama mockingbird. And we would let the dogs out, and the dogs would go out, and this is before we knew exactly where the nest was, and the dogs would go out, and the mockingbird would go down and bite them right on the rear. Those dogs would turn their head, and it would bite them on the rear. They'd turn around. That bird's already flown off. They don't know what it is. They'd turn their head, and that bird, and then we would walk out there, and that mockingbird's dive-bombing because it does not want us near its eggs. See, but that's an adult mockingbird. That adult mockingbird has learned not to fear people. In fact, that adult mockingbird, those same adult mockingbirds, even yesterday, I watched as they chased red-tailed hawks all over the place, fearless. They're not afraid of a hawk. If that hawk gets close to their domain, they're going to chase that bird. That hawk could tear them apart. They're fearless. The hawk is always, I've never seen a hawk chasing a mockingbird. Never. I've always seen a mockingbird, only seen mockingbirds chasing hawks. And that mama hawk, that adult, I mean mockingbird, is afraid of absolutely nothing. Well, see, that baby had not learned that yet. That baby had not learned yet, I don't need to fear these people. See, I'm not an adult yet. But why is it? At what point does that baby realize why mama has her confidence? When does it occur That that little baby mockingbird realizes I could walk away from this wall. I could spread my wings and I could fly right between those two huge giants right there. I have nothing to fear in humans. Because I can fly. I can get away. I can get in the trees. I can bite. See that baby mockingbird had not learned that yet. But in time. In time. As that baby mockingbird begins to watch mama mockingbird attack the hawk. Fly close to people. Bite the dog butt, <laughs> tail, rear. As that baby mockingbird watches mama do these things? Suddenly, that baby mockingbird one day is going to say, mm, "I'm going to imitate mama." Right. She was created to protect. This is what she's made for, and I'm going to imitate her, and I'm going to go bite that dog's rear, and I'm going to get close to those parent, those humans. And I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to chase that hawk one day. Right now, that hawk's chasing me because he knows I'm not equipped yet. He knows I'm not equipped yet to fight back. Oh, but the day's coming when the baby mockingbird will be equipped because that baby mockingbird is imitating her mama just like her mama imitated her mama. There's something to be said about imitating me when Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Right now, there are folks, even under the sound of my voice, maybe in this building or on the other side of that screen, but there are folks. Right now, you don't know what's next. You don't know how to do the next thing. I, need, I want to know more about God. How do you know about God? Somebody just said to me last week, I want to be able to talk about Scripture the way you talk about Scripture. But you know, right now, there's people under the sound of my voice. You're sitting up against a wall somewhere behind a little statue like that little mockingbird. doesn't mean you're a baby. It doesn't mean any of that. But it does mean you have not yet come to the place where you understand what power dwells in you. You've not yet come to the place where you understand what it is to, be, to walk and be an anointed one. You are already anointed. See, that little baby mockingbird was all a mockingbird could be. It just has not, had not yet come to the place where it knew how to use all that was in it. So in the same way, you're sitting under my voice today and you're not sure what's next. How do I do the next thing? How do I learn these things that he's talking about? How do I grow in this thing called the kingdom? How do I become deeper? How do I develop my relationship with God, with Holy Spirit? What is all this that they speak of? I'm going to tell you today, you might be up against that wall and that might be you. But if you will imitate me... As I imitate Christ, the day will come that you will find that someone's imitating you the way that you imitated me, and then now you're imitating Christ. The day came when they didn't need to imitate Paul. See, at some point, Paul's no longer going to be there. At some point, they become mature, and they're going to be imitating the Father. Are you tracking with me today? Paul was not saying, imitate me forever, and as long as I'm here, you're good. When I'm gone, you're in trouble. Paul was saying, if you'll grow from what I've grown from, If you will learn what I've already learned. I've said this every week, and we're going to talk about it until the conclusion of this series. But if you'll learn what I've learned, and if you will let me teach you, and if you will imitate, and what you don't understand, you imitate until you do, until revelation comes to you. I want to tell you, the Father will raise you up, and you'll be chasing the red-tailed hawk, instead of the red-tailed hawk chasing you. So let's talk about the good parts and the bad parts. So we all have a little bit of both of those. We all have good parts in us. We all have uh, bad parts in us. and. And that's the reality of it. There's still a little bit of Adam in all of us. And I find myself, I said this morning in the meeting, before we came out here and we were praying, uh, Stephanie Bosch uh, was talking about Christ when he was on the cross and how he could have at any moment. You know, these people were mocking him. Any of us, I mean, we're mad. You know, these people are pulling our hair. They're driving thorns in our skull. And I mean, it would have never gotten that far. I would have died. Because the moment they pulled the f- grabbed my beard the first time and pulled that before... The moment they tore my robe off, <laughs> trouble. I'd have been chasing the hawk, even if the hawk could have killed me, because I wouldn't have gotten that far. Yet Christ is walking. They're pulling his beard. They're throwing. Uh, they're whipping him. They put a crown of thorns on his head. He's going down what's called the Via Dolorosa, and he gets there, and he's on his way to Cal- Cal- Calvary. you <laughs> really got to be. Our words are really too close sometimes, and he's on his way there. And Stephanie was saying this morning that her and her husband were speaking this week about that and talking about how he could have at any moment said, Father, send down," asking the question, do you guys not realize at any moment I could speak and I could say, Father, send down 10,000 angels and come and just wipe out these rascals. They have no idea. They don't know who they're messing with. They have no idea who they're messing with. And it's true they didn't. And he could have done that at any moment. And I said to them in there, I said, you know what? Probably in all the years that I've been in ministry, in all the years that I've been a believer, the place where I've probably erred and faulted the most, I know. I know in some of your minds you think, well, he he doesn't make mistakes. And you probably don't think that. You shouldn't think that. But I do. I have a lot of faults. I have a lot of errors, a lot of failings, a lot of them. And it's not like all past tense. There's going to be one or two this afternoon, I'm sure, by 4 o'clock. But there's those things that happen in us. And, and I said to her, or to the team, I said, you know, in all these years, I can tell you that where I have failed the most is because I've reacted too quickly. Where I've failed the most is not understanding the power, the authority, the anointing, the purpose that is in me, and then I get in, in the way, I have gotten in the way of the calling, and I've said to the Father, I'm going to help you with this one, because it will really be satisfaction to bring the hammer, and i found my, how many have ever brought the hammer prematurely, go ahead, be honest, be honest, be honest, you brought the hammer, and then afterwards you thought, oh man, I've done that with my wife, oh I just realized that could be interpreted a lot of wrong ways. Never mind. But I said those failings, those places, is where I failed the most. Where I thought, you know what, I'm just not going to... Because what ultimately Christ thought could be... Do you know you're mocking my dad? You're messing with my purpose. I'm going to slay you. But to slay them would have been to devoid his purpose. Would have been to invalidate the very reason he was hanging on the cross. And I wonder how many times and what he was doing was showing us something that's worthy of imitation. To learn from that. I'm never going to be Jesus, but there is a Christ anointing in me. So I can't do what Jesus did, but I can imitate Christ. That passion he had for the purpose of God that was in him in such a way that it is evident in me. And I begin to make decisions in the same way that he did. I won't have to make the same decisions, but I can make them with the same purpose behind them. Does that make sense? So with my kids, you know, I want all of my kids, and I've said this many times to them, there's good parts and there's bad parts in all of us. And I would ask this question before I say what I'm about to say. What would it have looked like if no one had ever followed Moses, no one had ever followed Christ, and no one had ever followed Paul, or if no one ever followed you? What would it look like? See, because everything about the earth is generational. And the nature of generational things is that this generation is learning from the prior generation. So every generation is supposed to be built on the successes and failures of the previous one. It's supposed to grow from those things. So, when I think about the good and the bad in me... One of the things that I've always I've said to my kids many times, I want you to have the very best of your dad. I want to be worthy of imitation. I want you to imitate me. You don't know when they're growing. They're growing today. They watch me. They ask me questions, spiritual questions, natural questions, things about finance, things about relationship, things about God, things about the kingdom. They ask me questions. But I want them to imitate those parts of me that are good. I want them to get out of me the good parts and not say, I'm not going to draw anything good out of dad because I've also seen the bad in dad. I never want them to look at me and disqualify me entirely because they saw a moment where I let them down in some way. Because it is going to happen. And it's happened in you. And there's none of us that are perfect, so when we're... And I'm saying all this today to, again, bring your attention to this. The significance of imitating someone isn't that you're imitating a perfect human being. It is that you are imitating the passion that is in them for God, for the things of God and for the purpose of Yahweh. That is what we are imitating. So, if no one imitated Moses and no one imitated Christ or Paul or you... What would it look like? Would we even be meeting here today? I can tell you that it would not be possible. It would not be possible. And if we were even meeting today, I can tell you that likely we would be a lot further behind than we, it would absolutely be true. That we would not have grown in our wisdom of the knowledge of Christ. In fact, let it be known in this way. If no one had followed Moses, none of us would have ever received Christ, because Moses could only teach the law. The only thing Moses knew to do was point people to the law. So if all we did, if the best we had was what Moses left us with, all we would have is the law. On the other hand, if no one followed Christ, we would not exist today in a place where the law of Moses, it wasn't the law of Moses, but understand where I'm going with this. The law that Moses knew is a better way to put it. If we, no one followed Christ, that would still be, but because we followed Christ, grace has supplanted the law. Without following Him, there's no supplanting. There's no metamorphosis of coming from a teach-taught place to a relationship place. I hope you understand what I'm talking about. In the same way with Paul. So, what did Paul know that he could add to what Christ brought? Paul showed us how mankind can have relationship with God because of what he saw Christ do. Paul showed us what it looked like to love a father that could not be seen. Paul showed us what it was to believe in one who was resurrected and was no longer walking on the earth, but would manifest in those who would receive the spirit of God who is his son. Do you hear me today? And then what about You and me. What if no one followed you? Apostle Ball, who I sat under for seven years, used to say something that in the beginning it bothered me. I I used to get offended when he would say this, and I've said it before because it doesn't offend me anymore because I now see the truth. But he said, do you want to know? He would often ask the question, especially with a presbytery. He said, do you want to know if you are a leader? Stand up in a crowded room. Leave the room. See if anyone follows you. And then he let that sink in for a moment. He said, You want to know if you have anything that anyone wants to imitate? Leave a crowded room. See if anyone, anyone follows you. You want to know if anyone wants to imitate you? When's the last time that someone came to you and asked you a question about the walk that you were on with a father? What are we showing? What if no one followed you? I'm going to tell you today, and this is my point for today. If no one is following you, let's change that. How do we change it? First of all, you want to be one who is positioned where people want to ask you questions. Now, part of the problem with people not wanting to be imitated or not wanting to have people ask them questions is because they're afraid they don't have the answer. I always put a clause in my statements when I'm counseling with people And they come to me, or when I'm teaching, and I ask, or if I open it up for broad questions, I say, anybody have a question? I always try to remember to say, now, keep in mind, if you're asking the question, I don't know what you're about to ask. So it is possible that when you ask, I will not have the answer. And it gives me an out without feeling like suddenly I have to come up with something, because if we're just trying to come up with something, it's likely going to be the wrong something. So without you, you and I, there's good and there's bad in all of us. You're bad. What's a better word for bad? Immature parts of you. The parts that haven't changed yet. The parts that haven't completely been redeemed. Those Adam, first Adam parts of you that still exist. Do not, even if someone else does, listen to me right now. Do not let those parts disqualify you from letting your relationship with Christ become a teacher, letting your passion with Christ, become do not let that, those things hinder you from letting your passion for God be a demonstration for someone else. Stop disqualifying yourself. Too many times because we don't feel like We're positioned or we judge ourselves for the things that are not perfect in us yet. The church is really, really, really good about expecting everybody to be perfect. The church world. You get Listen, this week, just this week, we're updating our bylaws for the church. And um, because we have these changes that are going on, so we're doing an update on the bylaws to make sure that everything is still current and what have you. And in the attorney group that we're working with in Tampa... They, I sent them our bylaws, and they said those are great. The church is well protected, and everything with those bylaws. But there's a lot of things in there that are out of date. This is an interesting thing. I'm about to tell you. It's funny. So there's some things in there that are not relevant today, and there's some things that are not in there that need to be included. And I and she said uh, the, there's two attorneys, and they, they both they said I'm going to help you with that. So what they did was they sent me a demo of bylaws, which ours covered all but two things, I think, in the bylaws that they had. But one of the things was because we established the Rock of Central Florida with what's called a constitution and bylaws. And they let me know there's no such thing as a constitution in organizations anymore. That's done. It's only bylaws. So every time someone asks me for bylaws, whether it's the bank or business or something that we have... I always say to them, we have a constitution and bylaws. Well, just send that. Now I understand why. They had no idea. So anyway, we're updating that. And they sent me a sample. And as I begin to go over that, there were only two things. Neither of them were critical of really what we do. But in the future, they could be. But one of the things that they had in there that I thought was interesting. And she said, or whoever emailed this, let me just put it that way. The attorney said, what you don't have in there is... The exclusion, now I'm just telling you, this is what I'm telling you, is what I got. Okay? What you don't have in your bylaws, which is common in churches, is that you do not have that women are not allowed to hold the office of pastor or elder. And I looked at that and I thought, hmm. And then another one was, you also do not have in your bylaws the principle that if someone is divorced, they cannot hold any position of leadership. And I'm looking at that. And I'm saying to myself, not to them, but I'm saying to myself, self do you remember when you believed these exact things? And they think this is new. They believe this is a current theology. Women cannot be pastors or elders, and if you've ever been divorced, male or female, you cannot hold any leadership position in the church. So, you know what I did? I took both of those, and I copied those, and I pasted those into our bylaws. Then I did this. (laughs) Women have equal rights at the Rock of Central Florida for any form of leadership, pastoral, eldership, any form of leadership. And then I included a few scriptures just to support that. Then underneath that, I said, I did do this, I said for divorced persons, it, is, it will be under review with the presbytery and the elders of the church to find out why and to see if this is something that is consistent in their life, a pattern of their life, or is this something that was completely out of their control. And I included some scriptures. It was more detailed than that. It was like a whole paragraph. But to give you an idea. And as I reflect on that with this, as I follow Christ, do you know why that attorney group sent that to us and expected us? Because whoever they're following is still under Mosaic law. They have not yet... Come to the place where they are imitating someone whose passion is for the Christ anointing. Does that make sense? Just last Sunday, I brought up three ladies that we will be ordaining on the 1st of November. Can I tell you that for me, that was not last Sunday, but in days gone by, a huge hurdle. Because I was taught those same principles that were sent to me by that attorney group. And I was taught using the same scriptures that they use. And I believed that. And then what Holy Spirit did, and I'm going to say this very quickly. What Holy Spirit did was when my mother-in-law who was maybe the most pastoral person I have ever met in my entire life. And I'm not just saying that because she's my mother-in-law. I'm telling you that because if you knew her, you know what I'm saying is true. I could not possibly pastor in the way that she did. It was impossible. There's no way I could love people like she did. doesn't mean I don't love. She loved them when they stank She loved them when they were naked. She loved them. I'm talking spiritually. She loved them in every way. But I would not ever receive her as a pastor because she was a woman. And when she died in 2009, literally, Holy Spirit immediately put in my heart, You missed my word for her, because you were stuck in something that did not demonstrate the passion of Christ. And I've said it to you, those of you that are new, you may not have heard it, but everyone else has heard me say this many times, I will never make that mistake again. I don't care male or female, but see, I'm going to tell you something. I'm imitating those who have gone before me. They're different people. Some of them are you. Some of you you have sat in my office and shared what your heart is and caused me to see something differently or at least, at the very least, consider it. And maybe at the end of the day I still believe the same thing or maybe at the end of the day you have completely changed my perspective on something. Not because... You're better than me, or I'm better than you. But because in that place, the Father released to you a particular anointing, a particular revelation that was necessary for everyone. Not any of us hold all the revelation of the kingdom of God. Which is exactly why we imitate those who have a passion for Christ. As they have imitated that Christ that they have a passion for. So with the good and with the bad and with all of that that is in us. I'm telling you today. I have watched. Again, I'll use Apostle Paul. Knowing some of the things that were difficult. I didn't get caught up in that. The places in him, he did not believe. Emphatically. Emphatically that women could be in ministry but I'm gonna tell you the reason that we're sitting in this building today is because of his faithfulness to his passion for the kingdom in his day that was a truth in this day it is not because that was the level of revelation that he had But the nature of generation to generation is that this generation builds on the last one. And what we're building in this generation is that we have a different understanding of the role of the woman. And what they are in the kingdom of God. This sounds very political and I don't mean it to sound that way. It's not meant to be that way. But if it is for you and that's how you understand it, then so be it. Secondly, I want to say to you, stand firm and hold fast. Read with me in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15 in the ESV. says, So then, brothers, stand firm, Paul said, hold and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. He was encouraging them, Be patient and let the work that is manifested in me become complete in you. Don't be hasty. Don't expect if you're imitating, let me use me as an example. If you are imitating the passion I have for Christ, don't expect that when you get up in the morning because you started today, you are going to have that same passion. It will grow. It will grow. It will grow. Stand firm, hold fast. Until that work and that passion becomes complete in you and others will be following you, I cannot emphasize enough the importance of being willing to imitate those who are imitating Christ and to get past the pride and the arrogance that says, I will not follow or imitate anyone. That is pride and arrogance and it will hinder you from becoming everything that God wants you to be. I've had people that have come into the house, that have come into this ministry and then left this ministry because they've said, I will not follow any man except for Christ. Christ is the only one I'll follow. I'm going to tell you, they're going to go to hell. When I say man, I'm talking about humankind. It might be a man or a woman. Anybody who cannot first yield and receive from a son or a daughter of God cannot either receive from the Father himself. As you've done under the one of the least of these, you have done it unto me. If you can receive from one of these, you can receive me. If you cannot receive them, you cannot receive me. If you cannot learn from them, you will not learn from me. If you cannot learn from what you do see, you will not learn from what you cannot see. And then lastly, if it isn't broken, don't fix it. That's what my dad used to tell me. I I refer to my dad every now and then. But I'm a tinkerer and I like to tinker. So, I get something and I think I can make it, no matter how good it is, I think I can make it better. That's the nature of Steve Parker. I like change. My wife just said to somebody the other day, the grass, she was talking on the phone to somebody, she said, Well, you know my husband. The grass is, I'm telling you, it, it's never, it, never going to die under his feet because he's moving from this place to the next place, so water and sun is going to get to it. You leave a car parked in the same place, it only takes a few days and it's dead. Not where I stand because I'm never still, I'm always moving. But my dad would tell me, part of the nature of that though is that I'm always digging deeper. I'm always searching further. I want to know more. I'm interested. I want to know, Father, what's, what's the next thing? Even if I can't enter into it today, just give me a glimpse. <laughs> Can I just peek through the keyhole? Because I really, I want to know and I want to begin to prepare now for what is to come because that is, that is my nature. But my dad used to say, son, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. Why are you working on your car? Well, I just think that it could sound a little better. Something could change. It's not broken. I know, but in my mind, it's broken. <laughs> the way it, it sounds broken, it doesn't feel right. And I was always tinkering, but I'm going to tell you today, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. And let's read in Genesis chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. And this is the part I love and I really want to focus on for the next five minutes, and then we're going to wrap this up. But it says this. It says in the New, New American Standard Bible, Then God said, everybody say God said. said. This wasn't Paul, this wasn't Titus, Timothy, wasn't anybody else, this was Yahweh. He said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit after their kind, with seed in them, and it was so. Then the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after, everybody say after, their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind. And God saw that it was good. It was good to him when he saw the oak tree produce an oak tree. It was good to him when he saw an orange produce an orange. It was good to him when the apple tree produced an apple tree. When he saw that, he said, it is good within everything there is a seed and a seed will always produce after its own kind if it's nurtured well if the mama tree is nurtured well the seedling will come forth and be a strong tree like the mama tree if it's nurtured well are you tracking with me today in the same way the father saying about you and me We need to expect that whatever our place is, we are producing after our own kind. It is not possible that I could produce something. If you imitate me, it is not possible. If you really say, I hunger for the passion that Steve has to know God. If you were to imitate that passion until... You know how to do it yourself. I want to tell you there's no way you will not experience the same fruit. It's not even possible. What hinders that kind of fruit, the reason fruit gets rotten, is because somewhere along the way it stopped looking for the sunshine that was pointed in its way. Somewhere along the way it stopped receiving the water that was being sent to it to give it life. Somewhere along the way it thought it had a better idea. Somewhere along the way the apple tree wanted to be an orange tree. Somewhere along the way, something was different. And there's no way the seed will always produce after its own kind. It is when we are producing after ourselves. It is when we are producing and causing others to have the passion that we have that the Father says, and this is good. He is producing someone that is passionate like he is and this is good. And because that passion is in them, they're going to begin to hear me in ways that it would have taken generations for them to hear because Steve Parker's willing to build upon the previous generation not try to recreate the wheel. He's not ashamed to say I'm imitating you as you imitated Christ. He's not ashamed to say tell me how you did it. He's not ashamed to say can you show me the way. He's not ashamed to do it. I'm telling you today. That's how seed produces after its own kind. Even rotten fruit will produce after itself. Even rotten fruit will produce after itself. But if the new fruit, see, when a fruit is rotten on the tree, and we have lemon trees, and when those lemons, sometimes one will fall to the ground and it will rot, but those seeds in there are still full of everything a seed needs to possess to produce a live tree. The fruit is dead, but the seed is alive. In fact, the seed cannot produce anything until it dies. And it dies when it's put in that ground and dried up. <laughs> Is Yahweh so cool? He is the bomb diggity in every way. In every single way. So you take that rotten lemon tree, that rotten fruit, dig through all the mush. I've found them out there before and I've picked them up and I've tried to sling them and they were so rotten when I went to sling it, it just shredded in my fingers and I had gook all over my hand. But there's still seeds in there. And if I wanted to take one of those seeds and I wanted to put it in the ground, do you know what it would produce? A lemon tree. Now here's the thing. Without nurturing, without being cared for, without being trimmed, without being pruned, without being watered, without exposing it to sunshine, without protecting it from the elements that would hurt it. No life would come to that tree and it would be a demonstration, it would be a mirror image of what was rotten. But even rotten fruit can produce life. And if I take that seed and as it begins to grow, you came from a rotten fruit. But I don't tell it that. But if I see that tree and I see that little sprout come up and I say, you came from a seed that was full of life. Doesn't matter what your covering was. Your heritage might be rotten. All your hopes might be rotten because what produced you might not have anything good in it at all. But I'm looking at this little seedling and I'm saying to that seedling, oh, but you came from a seed of the original kind. And I'm telling you, I'm going to water you and suddenly that thing begins to grow and then it produces this lush fruit that's green, then it's yellow. And you take that fruit and you bite into that thing and it cr- makes you cross your eyes, pucker your lips. When you say, this is what it's supposed to taste like, I'm going to tell you something. I'm telling you today. If that fruit, that tree, is imitating the care of the other healthy tree, it's going to have the same results. So I'm saying to you today, you might see yourself as coming from a rotten fruit. But there are people that the Father has placed in your life, in front of you, around you, among you, that have a passion for God. In every way, they are passionate for Him, willing to admit when they're wrong, willing to rejoice when they're right, willing to, rejo- willing to repent, not afraid of repentance. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Don't let pride rise up in them and say, I will not be like anyone. I'm not imitating anyone. I'm going to position myself. If I don't know it, I'm going to act like I do. That's pride. If I don't know it, let me get with somebody and imitate them until I do know it. Because I want to build something in this man. I want to build something in this woman. I want to let something be created here. I'm going to take that old rotten fruit and I'm going to let something new and full of life come out of it. And in order for that to become full of life, I'm gonna to have to imitate something that doesn't look like what I came from. But it looks like what I'm supposed to be. And what you're supposed to be today is a son and daughter of God. A son and daughter that doesn't just make it through your day. A son and daughter that doesn't just get up in the morning and say, All I want to do is be able to lay my head down tonight and know that I'm still alive. Or know that I paid my electric bill. Or know that my wife or husband's still there beside me. No, the kind of make it that says when you get up in the morning, you know, man, this day was made for Steve. This day was made for Steve Parker, and I know the people that he's put around, and I'm that the Father's put around me and I'm going to imitate them as they imitate Christ and I'm going to learn from them and I am going to grow from them. Nobody, nobody can do it on our own. The nature of the kingdom of God is that seed produces after itself. It doesn't just appear. And when we imitate the qualities of others, don't get Stuck on what isn't good I want to close with these thoughts I wrote a few down focus on what is sometimes what seemed good in the beginning might ultimately prove not to be and then sometimes what seemed bad might ultimately prove to be good In every way that I know how, I am imitating the passion of Jesus Christ so that my life, because it is my heart, my life will reflect His love for the Father as my own. I invite you to do the same. I invite you today to do the same. Whether you're in this building or you're watching online, I invite you today to allow your life in every way to reflect the passion that you have for Christ and be willing to accept that none of us have every answer. But if we can receive from those around us that the Father has put in our lives, not just anybody, but those He's put in your life strategically because every single person that you are to imitate has been strategically placed by the Father. And if you will receive from them, I'm going to tell you today, He will change your life you know I wrote this statement down this thought down and I'm going to say this very quickly but it's interesting to me this morning as I was just dwelling on this I thought about this that those who believe in evolution can still still to this day not explain why an apple cannot become an orange they cannot nor will they ever be able to make an apple become an orange They will never be able, there'll never be a man to have a baby. Now I know that they've touted it. Oh, this man had a baby. It wasn't a man. It wasn't a man. That was not a woman with alteration. I'm just telling you the truth. We're going to produce after our own kind and I'm asking you today. If you looked, walked out of this room, got in your car, and seated in your passenger seat today was you squared. Would that frighten you or bless you? Would you think the kingdom is better for this or we're in trouble? The kingdom will grow because there's another me the earth is in trouble because there's another me one full of pride, arrogance unwillingness to follow, unwillingness to imitate or one willing to follow, one willing to imitate, one willing to grow one willing to ask questions I invite you today I invite you today imitate me as I imitate Christ the good the good Oh, I'm going to let you down. I promise you, I'm not the guy that's going to stand up here and tell you you're always going to be happy with what I say or do. It's just... Whatever, it just never works out. But it's mostly good. And if you will imitate me as I imitate Christ, the kingdom is better for it. Because I believe in the passion that He put in my heart and the purpose that He's called me to and people will imitate you as you imitate christ but first you have to be imitating christ (laughs) stand with me if you would please so today i am lifting my voice father over the people that are gathered in this room the people that are watching online and i'm declaring by your word and by your spirit that what was released in this place today has penetrated the heart the mind, the spirit of every single man and every single woman that's in here, I hope that every single person walks out of here today asking questions. Asking questions about themselves, asking themselves, who do I trust? Am I imitating? Am I following anyone? Or am I trying to do it on my own? What can I do to correct that? What can I do to change that? That if there's repentance needed, that there'll be repentance in their own lives. It doesn't have to be public in their own life that they repent and they make it right. So my prayer today is that every single person in this room understands that it doesn't matter what the fruit was like that their seed came from. The tree that comes out of who they are can be full of life and worthy of imitation. Father, today we honor and we glorify you and I bless this people. I bless the here. Those who are watching online today, I bless you today. I encourage you today. I exhort you today. I call out to you today and I and I ask pray. Ask God to begin to work in your life in this room. Ask the Father to begin to work in your life. Ask Holy Spirit to begin to show you and to reveal to you those places that might need healing. Those places where trust has been broken and you're afraid to trust and and afraid to believe in the what somebody else might have in their bucket of wisdom and knowledge. Today, ask Holy Spirit to help you to overcome that. Because I want you to know today, strategically, the Father has placed people in your life. Do not walk away from the provision of God for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen, and amen. I bless you.